This program is brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051. That's 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now, here's our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Lord, we do come to you now as your children. And as your children, Lord, we are... uh, pulling the Father card this morning, and we're saying, Father, teach us in Jesus' name, amen. Okay, uh, Matthew 10, 23, here we are. But when they persecute you in this city, flee into another, for verily I say unto you, you shall not have gone over the cities of Israel till the Son of Man be come. Okay, now this is a section, a very important section that we're in, it's a section on how, really how the Lord Jesus is preparing his disciples for the persecution that they will face. He hasn't hidden anything harsh from them. He hasn't taken the truth away. He has said, your lives are going to be one that you're gonna live with persecution. That's the way it is. It's what he's saying here. He knows how wonderful the gospel is. The gospel's wonderful. It's wonderful. He knows the relief that you and I and the disciples felt after a life of what he described to Paul on the road to Damascus in Acts chapter nine, verse five, when he said to Paul, it's hard for you to kick against the pricks. So when the Lord Jesus said that to Paul, the Lord Jesus is thinking about the tips of the thorns that were there on the crown of thorns that were beat into his skull and that kicking against that African long thorn acacia tree is the same feeling that he had when the Romans were pounding the branch of that African long thorn acacia tree into his skull. And so that's the road that a person has who hasn't had his sins taken care of, who has not been reconciled with God. It's a hard life of kicking against thorns after he sinned. He said, cursed in Genesis 3.17, cursed is the ground for thy sake, and sorrow shalt thou eat of it. Thorns also and thistles shall it bring forth to thee. It's a hard life to be constantly ignoring God. It's a hard life 
to be passively or actively at war with God and trying to, to follow the Frank Sinatra, do it my way. It's a life of kicking against these prickly tips of the thorns. It's a hard life to be in a state that's described by in Acts 5.39, which says, fight against God. It's hard. It's hard to do that. It's a woeful life. It's described as woeful when it says in Isaiah 45.9, woe unto him that striveth with his maker, that's fighting with his maker, that's resisting his maker. And through this, the years of this life without God, it becomes just a way of life. Sorrow, it's just accepted, this kicking against the thorns. And that's what life is. But when the day comes, when the Lord Jesus is accepted as Savior, when he's accepted as a sacrifice for our sins, and the war's over, and there's just an embrace from God, the relief is so great that a person says, I didn't even realize how miserable my life was until I came to Christ. Kind of reminds me of the time when my wife and I, Cheryl and I, went to Hawaii. We'd always go to Hawaii for maybe a week, but then we stayed for two weeks, and she said you could just feel the layers of stress coming off. Yeah. So, you know, when you come to Christ, you, you realize how much burden you've had and the layers of the burden that come off when you come to Christ. So this is a great gospel message that can bring about this change of the no longer, no longer a hard life kicking us with thorns, no longer a sorrowful life without God, no longer a woeful life of fearing death and what follows death, which is the judgment and the condemnation and the being cast into a hell of an eternal concentration camp, the misery of it. And so it's natural for the disciples and us to expect that, wow, with such a great liberating message, a gospel message, that we'll be welcomed by the captives of sin and the strivers against their maker and the wanderers away from God. It's going to be a welcome. And that's true for a very small number. But for the most part, the disciples and us will be met with either a passive or an active persecution. That's exactly what the Lord's preparing his disciples to. He says, in chapter 10, verse 23, when, not if, when they persecute you. So the Lord has instructed his disciples that the when's gonna arrive, when they're gonna be persecuted, and they're gonna have to go from one city and flee to another city. And so the Lord says, verily I say unto you. Now, whenever you read that, whenever the Lord says, verily I say unto you, those are important words. Those aren't just fillers. That's not like saying, you know, well, really, I want to tell you this. No, no. He means listen very carefully. Listen carefully because what he is saying is of the utmost importance, but also what he's saying is not obvious on the surface. In other words, it's not something that you're going to readily see or observe. So that's what he means here when he says, verily I say unto you, and there's something here in this verse that he really wants us to hone in on. Now, there are two parts of this verse in verse 23. One part is when they persecute you. That's one part. And the other part of verse 23 is flee ye into another. All right? So what that's setting up for us is really a choice in life. A choice in life of where we're gonna put our focus. 
We have a choice that we can put our focus on the first part of this, which says, when they persecute you, or we have a choice to put our life focus, to put our focus, our attention, on the second part, flee into another. We can choose to either make the focus of our lives, and the choice in life is made about where we're gonna focus. If a person focuses on the when they persecute you, then life will become a woe is me, I lost my job, I've been persecuted in this city of my job. Or it's gonna be a woe is me, I lost my relationship and I've been persecuted in the city of my relationship. Or it's gonna be woe is me, I lost my spouse and I've been persecuted in the city of my marriage. Or it's gonna be, woe is me, and it will be for all of us. Woe is me, I lost my health, and I'm persecuted in the city of my health. Now all of that type of focusing is on the first part of this verse, when they persecute you in this city. But it's the second part of the verse that is of utmost importance, and that's what the Lord wants us to see. He's actually saying that, I want you to have a different perspective and this is the flee ye into another. This is the into another focus. And this is all about going into another. To have a life that's not focused on the woe is me when they persecute you, but instead to have a life that's focused on the flee ye into another. This is to have a life that says, I lost my job, and this will be exciting to see what new job God has chosen for me. I lost my relationship, and this will be exciting for me to see what new relationship the Lord's gonna open up for me. I lost my spouse, and this will be exciting to see my relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ deepen and fill in this void. I lost my health, and that will be, it will be exciting to see two things, a new supply of grace and a new supply of the power of Christ resting on us which is what happened to Paul when he lost his health. And God told him in 2 Corinthians 12, 9, he said unto me, Paul says, my grace is sufficient for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. So we're all gonna come to this place of losing our health. Take it from me. Take it from Sam that can't see, hear, or chew, that we're all gonna lose our health. And when that happens, we have a choice of either focusing on the first part of verse 23, when they persecute you, which is to say, oh no, I no longer am able to walk, I can't breathe, I can't run, I can't see, I can't hear, taste, chew, and I, I can't think, I can't remember. I'm not paid free anymore, okay, woe is me. That's one focus. But another focus, which is the one the Lord wants us to have, is the second part of verse 23, flee into another, which is the focus of, oh boy, it's not essential for me to have my health, but what is essential for me, and what I do have, is the grace of God and the power of Christ. What is promised to me when God says, that is sufficient. And now that I've lost my health, I'm excited to receive the new graces of God and the new power of Christ to rest on me. So this is what the Lord is saying to his disciples that when they're being forced to leave one city because of persecution, look forward to going into the next city. 
Now the Lord goes on, and he says in that verse, in verse 23, ye shall not have gone over the cities of Israel till the Son of Man be come. He's describing here a plan. It's the same plan that he described in Matthew chapter 9:35. we read this, where it says, and Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every sickness of every disease among the people. This is a plan when is described in Luke 4:42. When it was day, he departed and went into a desert place, and the people sought him and came unto him and stayed him that he should not depart from them. And he said unto them, I must preach the kingdom of God to other cities also, for therefore am I sent. Same plan that he described in Mark 38. He said unto them, let us go into the next towns that I may preach there also, for therefore came I forth. So the idea here is not that they were fleeing for their lives. Let's run and get away from here. We're getting killed. But that they're being sent to spread the gospel more widely, in this case, through the land of Israel. And when they were forced to go into another city, it was not really a fleeing, it was a being sent. And that's how God sent his messengers from place to place, by allowing them to be persecuted and chased. And so it's important that they saw this, that they accepted, this is ascending by persecution. This is ascending by adversity. And the greatest sending by adversity is when we'll all be, at some point in time, persecuted by disease or failing in the body, and we'll be fleeing into another place, and that place happens to be called heaven. You know, I received a, a text, very interesting, from a dear brother, a dear believer, known him for decades. He is the representative for the Friends of Israel, and he writes this in a text. Hi. Dear brothers and sisters in the Lord, here's my update. Early Saturday morning, I was rushed to the ER at Los Robles Hospital with a severe pain in my left lung and shortness of breath. They admitted me and started pain medication. That afternoon, they put me in a series of tests and scans to see what was causing the pain. They kept me under observation as they also worked on my breathing problem. My doctors came in to me Monday morning and told me that they checked out the CT scan and found the immunotherapy had cancer of the brain. Immunotherapy hadn't worked, the tumor on my liver had grown. Tumor on my right lung had spread. New cancer has showed up in my left lung, which was causing the severe pain. My oncologist said that he could do a radical chemotherapy, a chemo treatment, and there would be a 15% chance that it would work. I would still have the breathing issue. I'll be leaving the hospital tomorrow, Wednesday afternoon, and going home where I'll start hospice care. So here we are nine months later, and I'm reminded that our God is sovereign in control of all things. I just want to thank each one of you for your prayers, your love, concern, and been blessing to Patty and me. Please keep us in our prayers for the next few weeks, and please continue to pray for Patty as I go home to be with the Lord. Much love and thankfulness, Bob. And then he quotes this verse, 2 Corinthians 5.1. We know that if our earthly house of this tabernacle were dissolved, we have a building of God, and house not made with hands eternal in the heavens. For in this we groan, earnestly desiring to be clothed upon with our house, which is from heaven. If so be that being clothed, we shall not be found naked. For we that are in this tabernacle do groan, being burdened, not for that would be unclothed, but clothed upon, 
that mortality might be swallowed up of life. And he that hath wrought for us the selfsame thing is God, who has also given unto us the earnest of the Spirit. So here's a brother who has not made the focus of his dilemma, the first part of verse 23, when they persecute you. Here's a brother that's made his focus, the second part of verse 23, fleeing into another. Bob is not saying, oh no, I'm being persecuted in life because I'm going away. My life is going away. My patty, my marriage is going away. My house is going away. My friends are going away. I'm being persecuted. He's not taking that as a focus. Instead of the oh no, oh boy, my eternal life in heaven is coming. My opportunity to see my Lord Jesus face to face is coming. My mansion in, in Father's house is coming. And seeing and being with all the friends that have gone before and meeting new friends is coming. I'm fleeing unto another. And that's what Bob is saying, is that this brain cancer that's spread throughout his body is, body is equivalent to God's sending him to heaven. Bob is fleeing to heaven. So when the Lord says these words, flee ye to another, has a meaning has a very important meaning of keeping the forward look rather than the backward look or the present look. And so now the Lord says the words gone over in this verse, the cities of Israel till the Son of Man become. Now when he says gone over, it's a very special Greek word that's used here. It's the word teleo. It's the same word that he used when he breathed out his last breath on the cross. He said to die, which is translated in our Bibles, finished. What he actually, he didn't speak Greek on the cross, he spoke Hebrew, Aramaic. And so what he actually said in the Hebrew, which was the equivalent, was asa, which uh, comes from the word that means to do. So what he was really saying there on the cross when he finished his life was done, completed, finished. And he takes his last breath. He looks back on the totality of his life. He's writing the last sentence in his book of his life on earth. And his last statement to describe his work on earth is asa, it's done, it's finished, it's accomplished. So the end of his life, he says, finished, because that was his final report to God. It, just like he said in John 17, four, when he said to the Father, I have glorified thee on the earth, I have finished the work which thou gavest me to do. Now that was wonderful for him to have finished the work that God gave him to do, what was that work that he finished that God the Father gave him to do? It was important because it was for each one of us to be able to, to enter heaven, to not be cast into this eternal concentration camp of misery called hell. And how wonderful it would be for each one of us to be able, at the end of our lives, to be able to look back over the summation of our lives, look back over our lives, and make that same statement. In John 17, 4, I have glorified thee on the earth. I have finished the work which thou gavest me to do. How wonderful it would be if we could say those words and then hear God say the words back to us, respond back to us, the words of Matthew 25, 20. And so he that had received five talents came and brought other five talents, saying, Lord, Thou deliverest unto me five talents. Behold, I have gained beside them five talents more. His Lord said unto him, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I'll make thee rule over many things. Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. How wonderful it would be for each one of us to write the last words 
in the books of our individual lives on earth, the words of John 17, 4. I have glorified thee on the earth. I have finished the work which thou gavest me to do. That's in essence what the Lord Jesus was saying by that one word, his last word on the cross, finished. How was that possible for the Lord to be able to say, I have finished the work thou gavest me to do? Finished, I have finished the work. How can we be assured that we can really hear God say to us, Matthew 25, 21, well done, thou good and faithful servant. How can we do that? How could he do that? How can we do that? Well, first, in his case, the Lord first had to know what the work was that the Father gave him to do. There was a, I must find, and that work was, John 10, 10, the thief cometh not but for to steal, to kill, to destroy, but I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. He came to give life. And John 12, 46, I am come a light into the world that whosoever believeth in me should not walk in darkness, should not abide in darkness. He came to bring life to us and he came to bring light to us in him and it was life, and the life was the light of men. In addition to that, so he finds the will of God, he finds what God wants him to do, and then he passionately pursues the work that God, so if the first one was I must find, and the second one in I must do, which he said in Luke 2.49, he said unto them, how is it that you sought me? Wish ye not that I must be about, same as do, be about my father's business. Now, there's another aspect to this. So I must find, I must do, but there's one more part, and that's I must finish. He says that in John 4, 34. Jesus saith unto him, my meat is to do the will of him that sent me, and to finish. Those two gotta go together. It's not just do, it's finish. It's do and finish. You know, some people just fall in love with the process. They don't really wanna finish. They love what they're doing. And not falling in love with the process to the point of not wanting to finish reminds me of my friend, Dr. John Potts, who was the head of research at Harvard's um, Massachusetts General Hospital, one of the three hospitals. And when I started my work in research in the field of parathyroid hormone back in the 1970s, I learned all about John Potts. My mentor was, had come from his laboratory. Well, John Potts is the father of parathyroid hormone research. And it was a great honor for me to, to become a co-author on one of John Potts' more than 500 research papers on parathyroid hormone. Anyway, one night, John and I were having dinner in Boston, and I was asking him questions. Well, you know, tell me, how did you get into parathyroid hormone? What happened? And he told me that what happened when he entered into the field of parathyroid hormone research. And he says, he told his mother, he says, Mom, I'm starting to do research on parathyroid hormone. And his mother replied, that's wonderful, Johnny. When will you finish it? <laughs> and John said, Mom, I hope I never finish doing research of parathyroid hormone. Well, the Lord wanted to finish. I have finished the work which thou gavest me to do. So our lives can really be viewed as when Israel built the tabernacle. Big job to build the tabernacle, especially out there in the desert. 
Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher Tom Cantor here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org to sign up for his daily devotional. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestoration.org. You can write to Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California 92071. That's P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California 92071. Or email Tom Cantor at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. That's tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. For more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. That's 800-247-3051. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. This program is brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries.